0: His son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to uh, share with you a new uh, series that I'm going to be starting today. And you already sang the title of the series. It was uh, during the first song. And during the first song, we sang the song, I Love the Lord. Well, that's not it. But the actual title is, Everybody Has a Story. Everybody has a tale. That's the name of this, of this series. I want to share about the, the reality that everybody here has a story. Some of you, you have many stories. Some of you would never want to share your story in this room. Some of you have a story. That is just an awesome, wonderful, wonderful story. Some of you have a story that that talks about the blessing of God upon your life and upon your your family. As we were dedicating, again, I, I view that very, very highly, that we would have a legacy to pass on of being believers. And how awesome that is when a little baby, a little baby, that we can just pour into that child. Hallelujah. And begin that inheritance of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to switch over mics. Just want to make sure you're clear. Can you hear me okay? All right. Thank you, Bradley. So today I want to talk about stories, because stories are important. Again, everybody has a story. You are representing some sort of story that's in your life right now. Some of you have many stories. Some of you, again, have stories that are just so compelling, and are so awesome, and are wonderful. And then there are stories that are here today. And the stories are dark. The stories are filled with fear. The darkness, the abuse for some of you. You've went through perhaps mental abuse, physical abuse. Maybe you went through sexual abuse. Everybody here has a story. That's not always a good thing. The stories not, are not always good stories. But nonetheless, God is God, and He can help you through your story. He can touch you in the midst of your story. So I, I want to share you know, my purpose. My purpose for sharing this, this series, this message, is to build overcomers within the church. For those of you who are believers in this room, and I'm sure that's, that's a many, 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 many are believers, it's not enough to be a believer only. You need to be an overcoming believer. Unfortunately, it's normally the greatest test in your life that you have to come against and endure that refined you. Please hear the word, refined you. It should not define you. It should not define who you are. It should refine you through what Christ has done in your life. And he is able to take your story, as bad as your story may be, maybe multiple stories. And he's able to take your stories, your story, and do something with that. He's able to take you and mold you, if you are willing, into a vessel that he personally will design. I have a daughter-in-law who is, has a degree in art, and she's just an incredible artist. And she... Uh, uh, she has the ability to paint. She has the ability to do pottery and, and other types of artistic works. And she does such an, a tremendous job. She's, uh, she makes jewelry that's really cool. And uh, she's truly an artist. And what she makes is made very carefully. She spends a lot of time Probably why she can't make a lot of money at it because it takes her time. She takes her time wanting to do the best job she can do. But when she makes the jewelry, when she does the picture, it is so good. And that's what God wants to do in my life and in your life. He wants to make a vessel. Something you've, some of you have heard me say many times. And that is when we read in the story or the, in the Bible about the story of God being the, the potter and we are the clay. You see, we have to give him permission to knead and mold the clay. If it's on that stone that's turning around, it's the potter who's shaping. And you know what that is? That's the potter having permission to manipulate your life, manipulate you into what he wants you to be. He doesn't do it without your permission. He does it with your permission. Hallelujah. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me. And your story is one that is, I'm sure, compelling in your own life. Again, for many of you, your story defines who you are. Unfortunately, oftentimes a story leaves scars. And scars are not always on the outside of the body. Oftentimes the scars are in the mind, they're in the heart, they're in the spirit, they're in the soul, they're down deep. And sometimes we work our entire life trying to keep those scars from ever being discovered. We work hard to make sure no one ever really knows us, knows our story, sees our shame, and we just hide to the best of our ability what's taking place in our life. So when I was thinking of scars, I thought of examples in the Word of God. Jesus. Let's start with Him. It says in John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21, Then the same day, at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, in fact the doors were shut and locked, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. And He stood in the midst of them. Now, I want you to know the doors were shut. The doors were locked. There was no way into the room. But Jesus materialized. This is far more popular than than Star Trek ever would be. There's no beaming up, beaming down. Scotty wasn't involved. Jesus materialized. He came through the wall, and he appeared before the disciples. Listen to what it says. And it says, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, and now I want to relate to the last four weeks of my last series. First thing he said to them was, peace, peace, be with you. It wasn't too long before he would end up going to Calvary that he was in a boat and that Satan had sent a storm and it was a violent storm. And the disciples thought they were going to die. They were fearful. And Jesus said, peace, be still. He wasn't talking to the disciples. He was talking to the storm, to the enemy who had brought the storm. So Jesus comes in the middle of the room where the disciples are there in fear and in hiding. And he says to them, peace. Peace be with you. goes on to say, when he had said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed them his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, get this, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. He allowed his scars to be seen. He allowed them to feel the scars in his hands, in his feet, in his side. His scars represented his story. His story is that he came from heaven, from glory, and he died for us on a cross, and what he suffered became scars. And I'm sure he had some other scars as well. He was beaten more than any other man, according to the scripture. So Jesus was scarred and had scars. But hey, you know what? Scars do not define who Jesus is. Honestly, no insult to anyone who is Catholic, but you don't need a crucifix. Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. We have a cross that's empty because he's not on it. He was raised from the dead. And so we don't worship a Lord, a God, a Savior, who's still on a cross, but one who came off of the cross, came out of the tomb, and now sits on the right hand of the Father. And not only is he sitting there, he's not sitting there doing nothing, He is sitting there listening to all the requests of his children who are lifting up their prayers. Some of them are desperate prayers. Some are prayers of thanksgiving, of praise, of maybe something that's maybe on the minimal side. Others, Lord, I need this miracle. Only you can do it. So scars really don't define my Savior. What defines my Savior is are his words. And his word is peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Peace, storm, be still. That's what our is doing. That's what our Savior's doing. Someone else who had scars, we just read about him in the last few weeks, was the man who was filled with demons. Thousands of demons, not tens, hundreds, but thousands of demons. And this man was horribly scarred. He was cutting himself day and night, running amok in the cemetery, screaming at all hours of day and night, cutting himself. And again, I say this from my heart. If anybody here has a problem with cutting yourself, don't do it. You do not have to do that. You're listening to something inside that's saying to do it. But it is not the voice of God. It is not the voice of God. It is not the spirit of God. It is the spirit of what we would call the Antichrist. It is a spirit that is trying to get you to conform to what the spirit would try to do to rule over you. So here was this man, he had inside of him legion, thousands of demons, and Jesus would pray over him a very quick prayer, and he would rebuke the spirits that were within him. And the man was set free, and everyone said, praise God, he was set free And the next time the people of the city saw him, he wasn't running naked in the cemetery and ripping at himself and cutting himself, breaking chains. He was sitting there clothed, and the scripture says he was in his right mind. If you've ever had a wrong mind, you would appreciate a right mind. Sometimes you've lived your life with a wrong mentality, a wrong thinking. Your thinking got persuaded to think this way, which was not the ways of the Lord, and you began to live in such a way that it has only brought grief into your life. But the Lord will bring to you a right mind, well, let me tell you, as that man, that young man was sitting there next to Jesus, and the people from the town of the Gadarenes came and, and saw them sitting there, the most weirdest thing, they all became fearful of Jesus. No longer fearful of the man who had all the demons. They're now gone. The demons are ousted out by the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. But This man was sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. But I am going to say with all assuredness, he was extremely scarred up. For a long time, he had been cutting himself. He had been damaging his body physically. And he may be ashamed of his scars... But Jesus said, I want you to go and use your scars. I want you to go and share what God hath done in your life. And he wasn't embarrassed, I don't think, any longer of, this, of the scars because the scars became a testimony. The scars did not re- define him. It was Jesus Christ and his saving ability, that defined him. The ability to have a right mind. That's what I want in life. Lord, help me to always have a right mind. How about you? We know that there's a susceptibility, illness-wise, of dementia. And we want to say, oh God, Keep us from this wretched thing. Let it not come upon us. And those we know who have it, Lord, please take it away. Aiden, I'm going to ask that you sit down, okay? And we want to see the Lord do something in our lives that is redeeming. And not defining us for the bad stories, but defining us for what God has done And sending us a redemptive word. Hallelujah. We have another example in scripture I want to share real quick. And Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is noted for having had seven demons inside of her. She's also noted that the second name attributed to her, Mary Magdalene, defines where she was from, the town, the city, where she's from. She's from Magdalene. Thus, we say Mary of Bethany, or uh, Mary of Bethany, Martha of Bethany, or in this case, we say Mary Magdalene. What Scripture says, and I'll share it with you, from the Gospel of Luke, it says this, Now it came to pass afterwards, chapter 8, verse 1 through 2, that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and a certain uh, woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Unfortunately, there have been many, especially in Hollywood, who have hijacked... This story, they have made the implication that Mary of Magdalene was having sexual relationship, having a sexual relationship with Jesus the Christ. Black- and it is blasphemous. But doesn't that sound like the enemy? Isn't that what the enemy does? He will take anything good within you and twist it. And turn it. Sometimes we become frustrated with ourselves because we think, you know, there's so many things I'd like to do, things that are good things to do, but it seems like somehow it gets twisted around. But I can tell you who's twisting it around. And it is not people, it's the enemy. He would never want you to succeed in a plan that God has for your life. That's why we were praying for safety over this little child this morning, that God would protect the plan that is within him. No doubt there was a time when when the parents were praying protection over the seed that was in the womb. Well, now there's even more reason to pray for the seed that God has put in that child's spirit. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. Somebody. So a story will will begin to come to play in this little child's child's life. So we look at Mary Magdalene. She has seven demons. Otherwise, what does the Scripture say? And it mentions her, I believe, in all four Gospels. She was one of the greatest servants of Jesus Christ She was the one who announced to the disciples, our Savior is risen. She was ridiculed. She was actually the first evangelist to share Jesus is alive. And she shared the good news. That's what we know about Mary Magdalene. It's been ascertained that she was a woman of... uh, of prominence, of successful business, and uh, had many funds. That's speculation, but it kind of works if you see what she seemed to support. But here's what we know she had, in her personal story, seven demons. And in her story, Jesus, he cast out those demons. And so she's either going to be the person defined with the story of having seven demons or a person that Jesus threw out seven demons. So Christ performed a miracle in her life. He got rid of the enemy. Hallelujah. She dedicated her life to serving the Lord. And she served him in a way that has made her known to all of us. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So she's not defined as demon-possessed. She's defined as Jesus-possessed. <laughs> who would be one to say today, go ahead, Lord Jesus, possess me to this day? I, I, I know I won't ask a dumb question. Who would ever ask a spirit of darkness, a demon, to possess you? You never, ever do that. It makes no sense to you. You would not do that. And yet we could say, oh, Lord, possess my thoughts, possess my heart. You see the difference between that which is godly and that which is ungodly. Hallelujah. And it changes our stories. It changes our stories. Her great story is not the demon possession, but is as a servant of the Lord. We look at uh, someone that was just in the news last week. She was doing an interview On Fox News. You know, it's amazing, but they have a Bible study, and a Bible study where some of the employees get together, and they meet together for a Bible study that's been going on for a long time. Well, they happen to have, of all people, because she was in in, in New York at that time last week, they had a very well-known lady by the name of Beth Moore and she came and led the Bible study well now the Bible study has been using her resources for the last few months and now here she is in the midst of them Beth Moore uh, she is she's a kind of a rock star spiritually She is someone who is able to take the Word of God and extrapolate it, to understand it. She is someone who is able to explain it. She is compelling as you listen to her. And she has uh, many resources. She's actually an evangelist as well as a, a Bible study leader and an author, very successful. She's in high demand because of her ability to communicate, her ability to teach. And you look at her, you listen to her, and you say to yourself, there is a woman who is blessed. There is a woman who has an awesome story. There is a woman, especially for the women here, because she ministers to women primarily. I would like to be like her. But she also shared about her journey of getting to where she's at now. She suffered sexual abuse as a young child. Not sure for how long. Let me just read a little bit of her her testimony. She says, I had the great blessing of being raised in church. How many can say that? That's music to a pastor's ears. Three times a week. In those days, she said growing up, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, minimum, we were always there in church. I'm just curious, how many remembers those days? It was like anytime time the church door was open, you were there. And she continues to say, However, my family was very, very broken. They were in church all the time. But they were very, very broken. She says, it's just that sort of the combination of the good and the bad and the ugly that can all take place under one roof. There are stories. There are people here in this room. I'm just... I just know because any place you go where there's a gathering of people it would be the same thing. There are those who have, you may have been raised up in a godly family, but ungodly things have happened to you. And you became victimized. You became one who suffered abuse. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was mental abuse. And maybe it was sexual abuse. She goes on with her testimony. She says, while there were certainly people that loved me and met a lot of my needs, our home was extremely unstable. Extremely unstable. I also fell victim she says, to childhood sexual abuse within my own home. She says, I don't identify publicly who it was, but I will simply say that when anyone that should be in a protective role around you becomes not the protector, but the perpetrator, I cannot tell you, listen to this, I cannot tell you how that will mess your mind up. I cannot tell you how that will mess with you. Exact quote. She said, no one would ever have known from the outside, but I was going to absolutely implode. She said, reflecting on her state of mind as a child and as a young woman, She said, I was 40 years old by the time I would tell you that my mind, oh, listen to this. This is a testimony. I was 40 years old by the time I would tell you that my mind was completely out from under the influence of my victimization. I want to say that one more time. I was 40 years old by the time I would tell you that my mind was completely out from the influence of my, my victimization. In other words, the abuse had stopped. But the influence of it continued on. And it says here in the interview, Beth shared how she was able to recover from her abuse I I know right now some of you are piqued in your ears in your interest of hearing what she's going to say because you either know someone or that was you here's what she has to say it's not rocket science here's what she had to say I would memorize scripture I put those truths on an index card And I would take those things with me everywhere I went. And I would walk around the grocery store. I was just saying those scriptures over and over. I'd make statements of, this is who God says you are. And this is what you have to believe. And I don't care how you feel. This is the truth. And it was that process right there that delivered her. You know what? The whole congregation needs to say amen. 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 You have just heard a personal testimony of someone's victory. Victory over a dark thing in their life. Whether you know her or not. I mean, know her through her ministry, her resources, her books. We need to say, Hallelujah. You don't look at someone like that and see someone who, for 40 years of her life, had that cloud over her of victimization, of abuse. But you see, she was able to take the Word of God. And when I, you know, when I read that, I was. I was thinking about in Deuteronomy, because in Deuteronomy chapter six, it says this. This is what Israel was commanded to do. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Maybe sticky notes. Impress them, oh, get this impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Someone's saying, okay, that's getting a little bit crazy. No, that's someone who's hungry after deliverance. Sometimes you got to do things that are not the norm. It goes on to say, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is who God is. Folks, I'm going to finish this next week, but I just want to tell you, God is able. He is able. And we have a perfect example of a woman. And I'm going to expound on that next week of something else that took place in Scripture that I found fascinating. Actually, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. I'm probably not the only one He's ever revealed it to you, but He revealed it to me. I haven't heard it from anybody else. But I want to share that next week. And what I want to do right now is, is I'm going to dismiss you, but I want to encourage you, encourage you to not be defined Sometimes you define yourself by how you act. Sometimes you can't look at people. Sometimes you may find yourself unable to really relate in in an atmosphere of fellowship because of things that have happened. And I do not minimize that. My position, I've heard some of the worst horror stories and my heart cries out. But you know what? My heart cries out for some of the people in the Bible. My heart cries out for Jesus. When everybody forsook him, everyone who said, I'll be there and I'll never leave you. And basically Jesus is saying, no, I'm the only one that can make that statement. I will never leave you or forsake you, but uh, unfortunately you will leave me and you will forsake me. He went to Calvary. He walked there by himself. When he hung on the cross, it was by himself. He could see his mother. There was some support there. John was right next to her. And he just said, Mother, behold your son. Turned his gaze towards John. Then looking at John, He turned his gaze back to his mom and says, Behold your mother. He was taking care of his loved ones while on the cross. Holding all the sins of mankind. And by the way, take care of my mom. Hallelujah. Don't be defined by the things that have been abusive in your hearts, in your minds, in your spirit. Every given Sunday in any church, the probability is strong that there will be those who have suffered abuse of some sort, shape, kind. And there will even be a slight possibility that sitting in the same room are abusers who committed that abuse. Maybe they've turned their life around. Maybe they're living a life of shame now. This is a real personal message today. And I'm recognizing that we have a young crowd as well. But I have found out that this young crowd in this day and age we live in knows a whole lot more than what you think. What they know today would make you blush. Am I right? So if you can't hear from church, where can you hear from? Hallelujah. I just want to put a prayer out there today for your healing. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to be praying for healing for whom the Holy Spirit knows. I'm so glad I'm not the Holy Spirit. Then I would be a guesser. The Holy Spirit is a knower. He knows all things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, oh my God, I thank you that you know our stories here today. As compelling as they might be, or even some boring stories. Lord, I thank you for the boring stories where they just grew up in church all their life and they they knew you from an early age, they don't have any great thing that took place in them that was harmful, we say praise God. But Lord, I pray for those today who have suffered and maybe are suffering this very moment. Like Beth Moore, Lord, they have been living with something for maybe decades for some. But there will come a time of deliverance. There will come a time. I pray, oh God, that they would not be defined by the story, but defined by your word that says, peace be unto you, your power of deliverance. I pray that in the name of Jesus And just before we leave this room, just before we we say goodbye to each other, as I said Thursday night at the memorial service, I may never see you again. And I just want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ if something was to happen to you? Are you ready to go into eternity? Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, That if something would happen to you, that you would go to be with the Lord. There's only one way you can know that. And again, that is by a revelation of the Holy Spirit inside of you that says, you're saved. You love Jesus. That's why you're saved. He's not just someone you consider from afar. But you're saved because you know him intimately close by. If you are not ready for that, if you would say, Pastor, I do want to commit my life to Christ today. I do want to have him in my heart. Not for fire protection. I want to have him in my heart because I need a Savior. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real quickly before we go. Before we go, God bless you. Anybody else this morning? God bless you, young man. Hallelujah. Anybody else today? You're listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you. Be one who would say, yes, Lord. Anyone else today? Hallelujah. He wants to save you. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One last time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? I want to say a closing prayer, but I also want to be available to you right after service in the next few moments. love to pray personally with you, but right now I just want to pray over everyone here. And if you meant that sincerely in your heart, I want all of us to say this together, a prayer of commitment to Him. It's good to recommit your hearts, your lives. Hallelujah. Now, would you pray this with me? Father God, Father God I, thank I thank you that you sent, that you sent your only Son, your only son to, come to, this earth to come to this earth to die for me, to, die for me, to, give, to, me, to give to me, release from my sins from my by, the power of your blood, by the power of your blood, and that you have come, and that you have come to, afford unto me to afford unto me eternity. I desire, oh God, to live a different life. A life dedicated to you. And I make that commitment this very morning, March 1, 2020. As for me, I will serve the Lord. And everyone said amen. Again, I'd love to be able to pray with you if you'd like prayer. Greet someone as you go, and and, uh, thank you for being here. It's been a great day together. I can only imagine. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Margaret. Margaret? Yes, sir. Nice to meet you. Hi, how are you? What a day. He lives there, I think. Finally got her here. There is come.